One of you asked me before the service about the surprise box and whether I knew what was in it before and I was prepared. Um, I think I displayed uh, well what is true, right? I didn't know what I was doing today, Uh, but uh, it's awesome. I love the kids. Uh, What a blessing they are to our church. And um, I want to encourage you, uh, moms and dads, uh, not necessarily to do the surprise box, but you could at home. Uh, but that you're always looking for opportunities to take the common things of life and connect them for your kids uh, that they might know uh, about the God of the Bible uh, and His Son Jesus who um, died on our behalf and we we celebrate now. And so uh, what a blessing it is to be able to talk to kids about Jesus. I wanted to announce something for you, and I talked to the men about it yesterday at our men's breakfast, but uh, in January, I think it's the third or fourth uh, Monday in January, January 23rd, uh, we are going to be starting a new Bible study for men. Uh, We haven't worked out all the details yet, and it doesn't have a cute name or anything like that uh, that will make you want to come. It's just simply the Christian man. A Christian man. And we talked yesterday uh, just about the idea uh, to have a, a simple and straightforward Bible study for men uh, to learn what it is to be a Christian man. And so I want to encourage you men to be thinking that through. I'll be talking about it more in the weeks to come, uh, but I did want to kind of mark it in your mind. Uh, we'll be studying the scripture and really thinking through what it is to be a man and then praying for one another and that will be Monday nights and possibly and probably uh, that same study, that same um, study every week on Friday mornings at 9 as well. So we're working through that. You can uh, get excited about that as we think those things through. I do want to reiterate uh, the upcoming Christmas things, even this afternoon, this evening. Uh, a lot of good stuff going on, and I want to encourage you to come. Uh, don't be heroic if it starts snowing and uh, you don't feel comfortable driving in the snow. Don't, don't. Uh, being in the ditch isn't all that fun uh, or at uh, stuck. Uh, yeah, just. You know, but we'll we'll try to work through that. Uh, I do think that uh, these events are great opportunities. Every one of them uh, for people who are on the edge of the gospel that they haven't committed to Christ and responded to his call, uh, what a great opportunity for them to hear uh, and even uh, see what Christ is doing in the world and he's still drawing people to himself even now um, and that he came for them. And so I want to encourage you about that. Uh, you're you're going to want to bring your family. Some of your family are hard to deal with, right? Some of you wanted to say amen right there, but you didn't think it was appropriate, right? But um, uh, I want to encourage you to bring them, to bring them and and encourage them to come that they might see and have an opportunity. Uh, All of our problems uh, are related to us not walking with Jesus properly. And so uh, I want to encourage you about that. Turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2 is where we're heading uh, today. I realize that's not um, the book of uh, Romans. Uh, but we will get back to that in the new year. But Hebrews chapter 2, and I want to read to you, uh, if you'd stand in honor of God's word, I want to read to you that last section of Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. God's word said this, 
Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that the, the death he might dis, that that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through the fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not the angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, uh, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. ask that you work in us now as we uh, seek to understand it better. God, thank you for your grace to us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Um, as we look at this, this passage, this passage uh, is going to connect us to something very important, is why Jesus came, why Jesus came. And there's a lot of answers you could uh, uh give to why Jesus came it wasn't just a a little thing or a bunch of little things but there was some magnificent world changing events uh, the reason that Jesus came and you can say it simply and as we look at this passage this morning he came to become a man and die become a man and die now as you think about the idea of, you know, hey, we're going to go someplace and we're going to do something. We're going to change um, for Jesus to leave uh, the, the side of the Father and to come and to become a man in and of itself. That is uh, a terrible idea, right? But the idea that he would become a man and die, it's hard to imagine uh, that that sounds like um, something that would be wonderful for him. But that is really the picture we're going to get today as we look at this uh, amazing scripture. I realized this morning as we go through the scripture that there's much more that can be talked about uh, even through this passage. But I really want to focus in um, on just a few things this morning to encourage us during this time of year uh, when we think about Christ coming to earth. I want to encourage you as you think about Jesus, that, that Jesus is more than just down here type stuff. I know that as children, we want to uh, teach our kids that, that Jesus is involved in everything that we do, and he'll, he'll help us with any struggles that we have. And so when you think about kids, they're, they've lost their toys and they're just searching frantically for their toys. And they'll say, well, maybe Jesus will help me find my toys. And then Jesus helps them find their toys and they rejoice as little ones. And it's not that he doesn't care about those things. But know this, that it's far more uh, gravity and it's magnificent. The things that we as God's people should be focused on. And it's not just about getting what we want down here. 
Um, and so with that in mind, I, I want to uh, walk through this great passage with you. Um, the, the first reason that Jesus came in this passage as we look at it in verses uh, 14 and 15 is that he would crush the enemy, crush the enemy. It says, since the children have been made flesh and blood, and, and in this passage, there's some things that keep coming back uh, over and over again. Uh, it, it's the idea of Jesus' humanity, his humanity. And so uh, we, we look at some of this stuff and we say, well, the, the way that God planned this out and he orchestrated it and he sent his son Jesus to die and we know that that's the the love picture for us right we know that God loved us because he sent his son but in our minds we say well couldn't he just have done something less significant couldn't he have just loved us from afar and saved us from afar but in this passage, it, it, it goes over it and over it and over it. Because we are flesh and blood, because we are people, people who hurt and are, are flawed and we uh, have been touched by sin and, and we decay and we decay, right? right? You know, falling apart, you know, you can say amen. I know it's raining and some of you are just, you're just slow this morning and maybe it's me as well. But this idea that we are flesh and blood, immediately in this passage, and and really reiterating over and over again, Jesus came to be like us. He came to be like us. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too, uh, he too, he himself partook or, or became the same things he, he became like us. He shared our humanity. And, and I think that often, because it's all we know, we think humanity is such a great thing. And it is. And it is, by the way. We're going to come over this again and again. It is the crowning uh, piece of creation. It's his crowning achievement because God made all that he had made that comes last and most magnificent to mankind. And so in this crowning achievement, sometimes we think of humanity as being great, but when you compare it to uh, Jesus coming down, it's a step down. It's a step down that he might be like us, that he was willing to share in our humanity. Um, As we look at this this morning, um, this is something that we should not get away from or cannot get away from in this passage the reason he did this is spoken of in verse 14. He says that, that through death he might destroy the one who has power of death, that is the devil. I thought about doing this, and I'm not going to, but you can just imagine that I did this. That I started listing out all the bad things in the world right now. When I say listing out all the bad things in the world, not things that like could happen out there, but that are happening right now. And, and many of you have some of those in your mind too. And, and as you see the world becoming a wicked place, it's not becoming a wicked place. We're seeing it as wicked. It's always been wicked. And as the enemy does his work, we see his fingerprints and we connect that that is the work of the enemy. 
over and over again. And I, and I think it's wise for us to identify it as such. When you see things in the world, whether they be personal things in your family or world events or things in the community or political things, you can say amen, right? Come on. You know, uh, if you're, you got to be tracking with me this morning, okay? Uh, but as you see these wicked things, it's, it's helpful for you to understand that as you see the enemy at work, that's what he you know that's what he's doing in the world right now and then you go back to places like hebrews chapter 2 and you realize that uh, jesus identified in our humanity he had a purpose in coming that through death his death he might destroy the one the devil satan who has the power of death which is a very powerful thing. He came to crush the enemy. And I, I say crush the enemy. I, I want you to remember that in the book of Genesis, there was this picture. It was, it was called the first gospel. And uh, it talked about how he was going to crush the head. He was going to crush the head of the serpent, connected with Satan being the one uh, who was the tempter. And, and, and we should long for that. We should long for that. And we should rejoice and connect with Jesus that he's the one that's going to crush the enemy. I want to tell you that in Genesis, it was revealed that he was the one to be crushed. And as we look even in the New Testament, the Gospels as Jesus came, that he was the one that was going to crush him. And I would even say, as he went to the cross, the most significant victory was won. Not the complete crushing of him. That will come. That will come in the end. Uh, But as we look at this, he came that through his death, uh, that we would be, uh, that the power of death would go away from Satan. It would be broken I want to tell you this too, and it's helpful for you to think in terms of what the enemy is doing. It seems as though, as you look at uh, Satan's work in the world, both in the beginning times and even up to today, the things that we see going on, that the enemy is fixated on God's creation. He's fixated on it. And as he looks at God's beautiful creation... There's a desire to destroy and to ruin God's perfect creation. And so as you think about what's going on in the world, you can see the enemy's work and his desire to ruin God's creation. I would take it one step further and say this, that his desire is uh, all of God's creation, but there's a special interest in God's crowning creation, mankind, you and me, people, people. It's one thing to ruin uh, the atmosphere. It's one thing to ruin uh, you know, the soil or trees or whatever. But that crowning creation of you and me, and maybe even say it one step further of the little ones, the enemy's desire to ruin uh, creation and specifically mankind. I, I want you to, to 
understand that in this passage, as it speaks of Jesus' death, that is the, the uh, I don't want to say the beginning of the crushing, but it is a significant defeat that through the death of Jesus, that he broke the power, he broke the power that was the power of death that the devil had on us through sin. I, I know that there's more that can be said there, but know this, that through Jesus' death, he broke the power of death. Through Jesus' death. That was why it was so significant. And, and I've said this, I've probably said this the last 11, 12 years I've been here. When you think of Jesus' birth, do not uh, separate that from uh, what he did on the cross and his resurrection. Because that's why he came. That's why he came. That's why we should rejoice is that Jesus came, and he came for a purpose. What was it? To crush the enemy, to break the power the devil had. And this significant event of his death um, is so critical, and it is the, the death blow to Satan's power over us. That's verse 14. I want to just say this, that um, Genesis 3 is where things start, but Revelation 20, uh, if you look over there, we're not going to delve into it today. I think it's verse 10. Uh, it, it has that final event where the devil will be thrown in the lake of fire. And I want to tell you that there will be a finishing of him. There, there, he will not be one that has any power. And this is why Jesus came to crush the enemy. I see a progression here in verse 14 where you see him uh, crushing the enemy. And and really, in in verse 14, there's no connection to you and me, right? It's just the enemy and his power of death. And then as you go to verses 15 and 16, it says this. uh, It goes on in some of the implications of what Christ came to do, his death, that he might destroy the one that is the power of death, that is the devil. Verse 15, and deliver and deliver all those who through the fear of death were subjected to lifelong slavery. As you look at this, you, now we enter, right? Now, now we are people and, and his dealing with the enemy has great implications for us. And you can say this, that Jesus came to crush the enemy, but he also came to free the captives, to free the captives. Now, uh, most of us don't feel like slaves, like we think of slavery as something that we don't know about. We, We don't feel that. But when it comes to sin, if you really think deeply about it and you see what's going on in your life, you understand that captivity, right? And there's a, there's a double-edged sword to that. You, you feel stuck in sin, but also you fear the implications of that sin, right? Um, and so as you look at this, verse 15, it just says it very briefly. He came to free those who uh, their lives were held in slavery. Lives are held in slavery. That this was 
who they were. This is what they were stuck in. And I want to say it this way. He freed the lifelong slaves. One of the problems with uh, this slavery of sin is when we first notice it as a child, we realize we can't do what we want. We realize that we're selfish and rebellious and, you know, even that, that butting of heads with parents and grandparents and that comes out early, doesn't it? Um, that's tough to see, isn't it? But we struggle from the beginning of time and it's a lifelong slavery that we're stuck in. And so as you think about why Jesus came and why you should rejoice, why there's reason to sing, is because he freed us. He came to free those who were held in slavery, those who had this lifelong um, situation that they couldn't do anything about. They were born into it, and there have been no improvements as the older you get, uh, this lifelong straight slavery. As you think about this, what uh, the problem with sin is not so much the sin itself, right? It's the justice that needs to happen, right? And why is death such a scary thing if you don't know Jesus? Because you know, right? It's the final act. It's you know that you will be laid bare before a holy God. And even as I say that, many people can't articulate that, but they're afraid. Why are they afraid? Because they're guilty, And they know that something's coming. Something's coming. I want to tell you the beauty of this passage. It's a a passage about death. It's a passage about death. But that there's no reason to fear death because of Jesus. Think about that. So it says that he died, the power of death, that he might conquer, set free from the power of death. And now he says, uh, he frees those who are enslaved, they've been enslaved their whole lives. He he freed them, why? Uh, That they would would no longer have this fear of death, fear of death. And I'll be honest with you, as I I think of myself as a pastor, uh, for all the people at Bear Valley Church, one of my greatest desires is that you would not fear death. That you would not fear death. And, and I can't tell you what death is going to be like. You know, I can't, I haven't been there. You know, that's the best uh, advice that you can get from anybody. Is, oh, I've been there. It's not that bad. You know, um, I, I, I've gone through it. You know, I'm still alive. I'm here. You know, you, you, can't, you can't have that kind of testimony. So we need to be based, we, we need to base our lives and our courage of facing death on something else. And what is it? It's Jesus. It's Jesus that he's taking care of it. But there's no reason for us to be fearing death. Why? Sins are forgiven because of Jesus. This is why he came. To crush the enemy, but to free me, free me. From the slavery that has been a part of my whole life, my whole life, and so uh, we 
we realize that the reason Jesus came is that we would not have to fear death. Why? Because our sins are forgiven. There is no judgment or justice that we need to face. It's interesting in the midst of this, and this is one of the things that's spoken of in Hebrews over and over again, that Jesus is greater than the angels. But in this passage, it's interesting how he says in verse 15, I'm sorry, 16, For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. That's fascinating, right? I know that many of us uh, have uh, interest and a a wonder about angels, right? Even as we celebrate the Christmas story, there was angels. And angels seem so powerful and so magnificent, and they are, and they are. Uh, But know this. That the angels were created and we were created. And so you say to yourself, well, the angels have this access that we don't have and they can do things that we can't do and uh, they're able to pop in and out and we we don't know, they're mysterious, we don't know. And in this passage, I want to tell you that this is important for you to remember when it comes to angels is that First Peter says they're a little lower than the angels, a little lower for now. For now, I would even say this. But we are special. We are special in the redemption story that Jesus came not for the angels, not for the angels. He didn't come in, in a way that, that he would uh, save them, but he came for Abraham's descendants. As he says that, there's many Jewish themes in the book of Hebrews that maybe most, the most, even in the New Testament. And so some of us, as we look at that, we go, well, I'm not Abraham's descendant. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not Jewish. And, and Jesus was Jewish, right? He came, he, he came as part of that line. Then you think about that and you go, well, is he just talking about the Jews here? I want to point you over to Galatians chapter 3, uh, verses 7 through 9. And magically it's going to be up on the screen. Boom, there it is. Uh, this is what God's word says. And there, there, there are other passages, even in the book of Romans, but I felt like this was a little bit more clear than the passage we already looked at in Romans. Know then uh, that it is those of faith who are sons of Abraham, those of faith. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, uh, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. As you look at this passage, you realize uh, that as you have trusted in Christ, it's not just people who ha- are part of the bloodline. In fact, that does not make you uh, one that is spoken of in he- here in the book of Hebrews. But it is those who have trusted in Jesus and him alone. And so as we, even as Gentiles, be able to say, I am one of Abraham's descendants, not by blood, but by faith. Uh, we are one of his. And so as you look at these verses here, he's saying, I have come, Jesus came to free the captives. And you say, well, he came for me. He came for me. Slavery to sin, that's, that's got my name written all over it. Uh, he came that I might be freed from the slavery of sin. 
Um, and this is why he came, and uh, this is why I rejoice at his coming. Number three, number three, the third reason why uh, Jesus came in this passage, and like I said, there are many others, many others, but in this critical passage, we see uh, he came to stand in the place of the weak. Stand in the place of the weak. Verse 17, uh, as we look at it, it says, Therefore, he had to be made like, uh, like his brothers in every respect. Once again, he, he's connecting and he stays on this idea of Jesus' humanity connected with mankind just like us um, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people for because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Stand in the place of the weak. Um, once again, like I said, humanity. Fully human, but not sinful. Fully human, but not sinful. That he might become that merciful, uh, faithful high priest. When you think of the word mercy, what does that bring up in your mind? Mercy. Uh, I really want you to see some distinction in these words. Mercy. Mercy is for the guilty. Mercy is for the guilty. And it's not mercy if the guilty pay for their sins, right? Uh, if, if someone has a debt, they didn't pay it, and they get caught, and there's this judgment coming, and they say, okay, I'll pay it. With the fine, right? I took care of it myself. That's not mercy. That brings about a reconciliation there of those finances that it's all good because it's been paid for with fine. Mercy says this. You're guilty. You deserve punishment. But because of the goodness of the giver, uh, he does not give you punishment, but he gives you instead mercy. Mercy. In this passage, it says the merciful, faithful high priest. Um, that word faithful, um, that's a good word, isn't it? Uh, you want someone who's faithful. You want someone who's faithful. Are there, are there some occupations where it really matters if someone's faithful? And many of you would say right away, well, all, all occupations, you want a faithful person. Yeah, you do. Uh, the, the person who takes your trash to the dump, do you want them to be faithful? Yeah. Yeah, you want them to come on Monday or on Tuesday or you, you want them to really, you know, be, you, you, you want them to be, I, I'm nervous about saying this because I, I sometimes am not a faithful garbage guy at uh, the Bozer house. But anyways, uh, th- this idea you want them to do it regularly and you want them to get it all the way to the dump and you want them to put the trash cans back it's good to be faithful but really it's not that big of a deal right there's plenty of occupations it's not that big of a deal and maybe trash collector garbage man's not that big of a deal how about a surgeon does a surgeon matter some of you are wondering where i'm going with this i want to tell you uh, i've had three or four surgeries in my life. And 
It's kind of a thing. Many of you are relating with me right now. You're thinking of your last surgery, and and surgeries are weird deals, right? You know, they put you, you know, they 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 lay you down, and they they're really nice to you and everything. But you know what's coming, right? You're gonna go. Uh, you're gonna go to sleep, and what's gonna happen while you're asleep? You don't know. <laughs> you don't know. And, 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 you know, I, I always like that the surgeon comes most of the time and he visits you. And, you, you, you know, for me, uh, there's, when I just had my surgery this last year, I, I look the guy in the eye and I go, okay. And I just wanted to make eye contact with him and remind him that I'm a real person, right? You know, and I wanted to see if I could see that he was having a good day or a bad day. Like, I, I wanted to know that, right? And... uh and then as, uh, as he came in and he says, well, we're ready to go. And I said, uh, I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray for us. I'm, actually, I'm going to pray for you. Uh, but, uh, you know, because I, I realized that he's an important dude when I go to sleep, right? Because there's something that I want him to do for me that I can't do for myself. And in fact, I'm not going to even be awake for this. And so while he's doing what he's doing, I want him to be good. As we look at this passage, it speaks of the high priest, and it says these merciful and faithful. Faithful really has two components. It's to perform the duties required and being trustworthy of the ones he's performing it for, like doing it for them. I want you to get this picture that the, the high priest, what did he do? What did he do? Once a year on the Day of Atonement, he went into the Holy of Holies. Nobody else could go. And there was this duty that he performed. It was interesting that he first uh, made sacrifice for himself. Why? Because he wasn't Jesus. He wasn't Jesus. He wasn't a sinful man. The high priest was not a, uh, a sinless man. So the, the, the high priest would once a year, he'd go in there and he'd make sacrifice for himself. And then... He would make sacrifice for the sinful people, God's people. And as you, you think about this, this is the connection in this passage with who Jesus was. That he was the merciful, faithful high priest as he served God. And, and what you get there is this picture, this go-between, if you will. You have sinful man and holy God. Our holy heavenly father. And, and the, the problem is sinful man uh, could not be reconciled, could not be made right. And so there needed to be Jesus. Fully man, fully man. And as he came, uh, he was that merciful, faithful high priest that stood in the place. And it uses one other word there that's important for us to highlight. In the ESV, it says to make propitiation for, for the sins of the people. Uh, in other translations, it uses the word atonement. Uh, this word, this picture, this one that's difficult, is to stand in the place. It, it's the idea of doing what they couldn't do for themselves, but him doing it in a way that was him for them. There was a difference between the high priests in the Old Testament and Jesus. Uh, a couple of things. There's really two big ones. First of all, 
that Jesus didn't need to make sacrifice for himself because he was sinless. There was no sins for him to be not right with the Father because he had no sins of his own. The second thing that I, I find interesting that even as I was reading this, it just, you know, as I, as I, in the Old Testament, it, it, it was significant. It was significant. When the, when the priests made sacrifice, what did they sacrifice? Well, they sacrificed animals, right? And it was, um, it was something, you know, if you've ever watched an animal be butchered, or maybe you've butchered an animal, it, it's, it's not a simple thing, right? Especially for the animal, right? It's significant. And, 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 and you look at that and you go, oh, it's so much blood. And like, it, it's, you know, it, it's striking. It's striking, right? And that's what they did in the Old Testament. They, they, when they killed an animal, there was a marker. It was a picture of the wickedness of sin. But the thing that was different with Jesus is he didn't take an animal. It wasn't an animal. It was himself. Gave himself. The, that which was different in uh, the New Testament as we look at this uh, making atonement or the propitiation is that Jesus himself was the one. That sprinkling of the blood wasn't a, an animal. It was Jesus. He was sinless and he himself was sacrificed that we might have life. As we conclude this, this section, it says to make propitiation for the sins of the people. And then for us to remember, for because he himself had, has suffered when tempted, reminds us that the devil tempted him as well. And the suffering of his life was over and over again. He was rejected. That he is able to help those who are being tempted. And so as we look at this passage, I, I, I see some steps here that it goes from just dealing with Satan to dealing us in our tempt, dealing with us in our temptation. This is why Jesus came. He came to stand in our place. I want to give you three things in just conclusion this morning that you can be thinking about as we uh, celebrate the birth of Christ. Um, I want to encourage you to worship, worship. Worship the one who became a man to be like you, to save you. As you think of what Jesus did, I know that you can get lost in all of humanity and all the world and what, what Jesus has done, but worship him. Why? Because he became a man so that he would be like you, to save you, to save you. Secondly, to remember, uh, even in this time of celebration, that his death broke the power of death so that you could be freed from the fear of death. Okay? His death broke the power of death so you can be freed from the fear of death. I really want you to think that through. As you think about your fear of death and maybe... Uh, your fear of death takes a, um, a step in ways of like, uh, so I'm, fear, I'm fearful of getting sick. 
I'm fearful of ever doing anything that would possibly cause me to die. I want to tell you, as God's people, you don't need to fear death. That's why Jesus came. His death broke the power of death so that I can be freed from the fear of death. And lastly, uh, just as this passage ends, when you're tempted, cry out to the one who came to help you. Cry out to the one who came to help you. Often when we have problems, uh, we look at certain people and we go, well, I could talk to them. I'm not going to though. They don't know me. They've never struggled with this. They've never uh, felt the, you know, the weakness. They, they don't know anything about me. And I want to tell you that in your temptation, in your struggles of this life, that's why Jesus came. He came. He, he became a man that he could relate to you and that he could be the one that would help you in the midst of your temptations of this life. I want to tell you that, uh, that as we uh, celebrate Jesus in this season, I, I want to tell you that uh, it should be all about Jesus. It should be all about celebrating and worshiping him. But I want you to know that, this, that the reason that we celebrate Jesus is all that he's done for us, for us. This would be a terrible time if he came, but he didn't come for us. He didn't come to help sinners like you and me, but he did. God, thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. Thank you for loving us and caring for us. Uh, thank you for not sparing your own son, but giving him as the sacrifice that we needed. God, help us to understand in a greater sense his merciful, faithful duties as a high priest on our behalf, that he was the one that not just came and brought sacrifice, but sacrificed himself. God, thank you for loving us in such a magnificent way. We praise you for this time. Glorify yourself in your church, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.